This is Father Gregory Pine, and welcome to Godsplaining. Thanks to all those who support us. If you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to Godsplaining wherever you listen to your podcasts. For this episode of Gasplaining, we're very delighted to be joined by Father Timothy Gallagher. Thanks so much for joining. Oh, I'm really happy to be here. Thanks. All right. So, so many of our listeners will know you um, from your various works on discernment, from your contributions to other kind of online media outlets, uh, the, the podcasts that you yourself do, uh, like Discerning Hearts. Um, but for those who don't know you, could you just say a word, you know, who you are, where you live, and the types of things that you're involved in? Sure. So I'm a religious priest. I was ordained in 1979, and uh, I'm an oblate of the Virgin Mary. And our main work is the spiritual life, uh, not exclusively, but significantly out of the Ignatian tradition. There's obviously a very strong Marian component in what we do. But this is really special for me for another reason, because I did all of my undergraduate studies in uh, philosophy and theology at the Angelicum. So I had five years of uh, Dominican professors to whom I'm eternally grateful, just um, wonderful men, and it was a great education that I got there. So it's nice to link again with the uh, Dominican tradition uh, in this way. And I am here in Denver, in living in one of our communities. I'm here because I hold the St. Ignatius Chair for Spiritual Formation at the local seminary, uh, St. John Vianney Theological Seminary here in Denver. But it also leaves me a significant time for um, many different events, retreats, conferences, and uh, ongoing writing as well. Wonderful. Um, so at one thing that you're just in a very excellent position to uh, help people navigate uh, is the phenomenon of uncertainty. So it seems that discernment has become a kind of keystone of your apostolate, a keystone of your priestly ministry. And I think that in the 21st century, uh, it's a time in which a lot of people are looking for like life hacks, or they're looking for easy ways by which to navigate the difficult decisions of their life. And I think one of the, the gifts that you have manifested is a kind of honesty or sincerity before one's experience and an embrace of the genuine difficulty in a way that's consonant with the Christian tradition and with our Christian experience. Um, so maybe just to speak to those people in a place of uncertainty, what are kind of first principles for managing uncertainty for those who are overwhelmed by their anxiety, by those who are kind of, you know, ground down by their experience of not knowing whether to turn left or to turn right? Where do you instruct them or where do you counsel them to begin? Hmm. Well, the first of all principles in the spiritual life is in the first letter of John chapter four, that God is love. Uh, that's the bottom line in all of this, that you have a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who loves you to death, literally, and loves you every moment of your life. From the moment of baptism, uh, you share that current of grace and communion with him. And the bottom line, the reason why we, we even want a spiritual life is because it's the happiest thing uh, in this life and unto eternity. So that's where we begin. We don't begin with difficulties. Now, along the way, there are difficulties, and those are not outside of God's loving providence in our lives, because this is a bit of an overgeneralization, but we grow in two ways in the spiritual life. In one way, we grow when God is close, when we feel his love, we feel uh, the spiritual life and prayer and the sacraments are alive. We, we love our vocations. There's energy for new steps. St. Ignatius calls that spiritual consolation. In theological terms, it's an actual grace. It's a gift that God gives along the way. And we can all look back over our lives 
and recognize how much we've grown when God has let us know, experience uh, his love in that way. But sometimes even the most significant growth, not always, but sometimes will come through the darker moments when we struggle. And if we look back over our lives, we'll see that too. Sometimes it was the darkest moments that led us to take the most helpful steps in the spiritual life. So there is a reason why a God who loves us permits us to struggle in the spiritual life, because if we go through those struggles well, not only do they not harm us, but we grow in ways that would never have happened otherwise. Now, Ignatius calls that spiritual desolation, and one of the classic authors says this, without spiritual desolation, if we never went through those struggles, we would remain spiritual children. And uh, that's true. You can think of Hebrews 12. You know, he chastises every son he loves and so forth. It's all, it's all done out of a, um, a desire and a love for our growth. Now, we're not just helpless in the face of those struggles. And that's where our wonderful Catholic spiritual tradition comes in. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, I'd say specifically saints like uh, Ignatius of Loyola and on another level, uh, John of the Cross have a lot to say to us so that we can be, we can learn about those structures, those struggles, understand what's going on, which is liberation, because once we understand them, then we know what to do about them. Um, so, so one thing, yeah, just in that response, one thing that stood out to me is the invitation uh, to maturation, right? So healing and, and growing are part and parcel of every Christian vocation, and the Lord intends that we continue to heal and grow uh, from and beyond the effects of sin in our life into our, our spiritual sonship or daughtership. I, I think, though, that like part of the difficulty of uncertainty uh, or part of the difficulty of lack of clarity and discernment is that the, the immediate temptation is to abolish it. You know, you just want to be done with it. You want to have the decision resolved. You want to have the um, whatever choice, you know, formulated. So that way you can seemingly get on with your life. Uh, whereas it seems like what you're suggesting is that our, our life is actually transpiring in that very moment. And that might be an especially precious moment for spiritual healing and growth. So how do we contend with the temptation to kind of get over or under or around whatever present trial is hounding us and seek to embrace the Lord in the midst of it? Well, we need to distinguish two kinds of discernment. Uh, they overlap, but they are distinct. The kind that you just mentioned is discernment of God's will in choices that we face. And obviously that's very important, and we do want clarity uh, in that. The other kind of discernment is discernment of spirits. And there we're dealing with the ups and downs that go on in the daily spiritual life. Uh, times, as I mentioned, of spiritual consolation, times of spiritual desolation, and navigating those and getting through those well so that we're continually growing uh, toward the Lord. Okay, your question focuses on discernment of God's will. So I have a choice before me. I want to do God's will. And I wish that I knew it now, you know, and didn't have to go through a process. Well, I'll say this from long experience because I've worked with many people, uh, well, certainly in my own life, and then working with many people over the years. When you go through a good process of discernment, so here's a young man or young woman who is discerning a call to marriage or to religious life or priesthood. Or here is another person who is discerning between this career or that career, and so forth. 
when you go through a good process of discernment, and that's where our Catholic spiritual tradition uh, walks with us, it can help us understand the steps, guide us through them. When you go through that well, two things, not one, happens happen. One is that you get clarity, and now you know which way the Lord wants, and you can move forward with it. But the second thing is that you have grown spiritually in ways that would not have happened if the discernment were just momentarily, you know, just right now uh, given to me. Because as you go through a process of prayer, uh, you go through probably some accompaniment if it's a spirit, if it's an important decision. As you're going through all of this, you're learning enormous things, wonderful things about the spiritual life that are going to bless you for the rest of your life. So that's one reason, at least, why God calls us to go through a process of discernment that's not going to be clear immediately in, uh, in every case, because as we go through it, we grow in wonderful ways. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, maybe, maybe it's just the case that modern man, as one author of the early 20th century wrote, um, is haunted by the fear that his real life is elsewhere. Um, and I think that, that part of that comes from the experience of like absence, feeling that, you know, friends and family are absent, feeling that God is absent, feeling that the purpose and meaning of my life is, is absent or not present in the way in which I, I hoped it might be or envisioned it might be in previous times. Um, whereas it seems like the kind of the genius of the Christian mystic is to find God in the midst of everything. So, um, like what kind of like, what role does that play in discernment? Because I think a lot of us, or maybe some of us, I shouldn't speak for everyone. A lot of us are kind of outcomes based when it, when it concerns discernment, whether that's discernment of a choice, as you distinguish from discernment of a spirit, we're thinking about how to take the next step, but, but how do we learn to savor the presence of God? Like how do we learn in our discernment to, to seek his face, you know, to seek his kingdom? Well, I would say that a discernment that is well-made is doing precisely that for you. Uh, Ignatius has that famous phrase of finding God in all things. Uh, and if we go through a process of discernment well, and here that's so much that I'd like to say, um, if you have somebody who's accompanying you, let's say it's a vocational discernment or any significant one, and you're meeting with an, a, a wise and competent spiritual person, you know, as you're going through this, one of the things that person is doing is helping you find God in all things so that you can't discern without prayer. So obviously you're praying in the process of discernment. But there's a second piece uh, that you can develop in, and that is not only prayer, but also attention to what happens when we pray. So that uh, routinely in the process of discernment, um, well, I would say um, an experienced guide will help the person to see what's going on in, as that person is praying. You also get into things like the examine prayer, which is one way of rendering the classic examination of conscience, which really expands it from simply the moral dimension, which is always important. You know, if I've been impatient or uh, unloving towards someone in the day, I need to know that and ask the Lord's forgiveness. But there is further spiritual experience that's going on every day. That's where the discernment of spirits comes in. There are experiences of spiritual consolation and spiritual desolation. And if we learn to be attentive to these and to what's happening in our prayer, we increasingly get light on where God is leading. So in a sense, you could almost say that uh, a good process of discernment and finding God in the moment are the same thing. Hmm. Um, okay, so... I think a, a lot of folks in their discernment 
they'll focus on the fruits of the Spirit as they are enunciated in what, Galatians 5, um, thinking in terms of the hallmarks being like peace, patience. Um, others will identify like faith or faith's redoubling as an especially significant sign. Um, how do we make sense of like a kind of cause and effect or a kind of um, like evidential support on the basis of these types of things? Um, so, you know, insofar as one will often say, you know, like you go where the peace is or there's no good reason to lose your peace. How do we use these fruits of the spirit as as helpful guides or as good indicators of, of healthy discernment? Okay, so I'll just trace one scenario uh, as an example of how that might be. So, um, well, let's use vocational discernment again. Uh, here's a young man who is discerning between marriage and, um, and priesthood religious life. And he has very real possibilities in both ways. He's dating a young woman, things have gotten close there, but he's also been increasingly feeling the call toward the consecrated life. And let's say that uh, he's discerning well. He's accompanied by uh, a wise and competent spiritual person meeting with that person. He's praying regularly uh, about this. Uh, probably he's visited this or that religious community or seminary along the way just to get more experience and information. Now, in that situation, if he finds that when his heart is experiencing those fruits that you described, and I'd say that's... Um, we're talking about the spiritual consolation that Ignatius, um, that's his term uh, for such experiences. If he finds that when God is giving him the experience of the fruits of the Holy Spirit or that kind of consolation, his heart is consistently drawn in one direction. And if he also finds, and this is something, this is where you pay attention over time, the awareness that I spoke of just a moment ago, if he also finds that when he is experiencing spiritual desolation, so discouragement, doesn't feel God's closeness, no energy for the spiritual life, etc., there's no shame in that. We all experience that at times. It's just one of the undramatic but uh, important uh, tactics of the of one that Ignatius calls the enemy. You know, uh, it's all it's part of the spiritual life lived in a fallen, redeemed, and loved world. But if he finds that when he is in spiritual desolation, he is consistently pulled toward the other option. And this pattern remains clear as time goes by, enough time goes by so that it emerges very clearly. Then he has his answer in the discernment, because when God is working in his heart, he's consistently drawn in the direction of those fruits of the Holy Spirit. There's a joy, uh, there's an energy, there's a sense of love, uh, of desire for all of that. And when the enemy is trying to discourage him with the lies of spiritual desolation, he's pulled in the opposite direction. Both experiences confirm that God is calling, one by affirmation, one by negation, that God is calling him to the first of, of those options. And this is one of the three ways in which Ignatius says God reveals his answer uh, when we're making a discernment between various choices. The other two ways, just to complete that, Sometimes God just makes it so clear that there's no more need for any process of discernment. This is not the most ordinary way in which God does this. Uh, Ignatius sees uh, the call of Matthew, for example, in the gospel as an example of this. Uh, the call is sudden. It's clear. There's never any doubting about it. If I could say it, I think even my own uh, experience of a call to 
religious life and priesthood was along those lines. No dramatic experience, but just a deep certainty that I could never question and never have, you know. And then the third way is when we don't get that kind of immediate clarity and we don't see the clear pattern in time of consolation and desolation, then prayerfully before the Lord, we review the advantages and disadvantages for God's greater glory of the one option and the other. And where um, we see a, a preponderance of reasons for God's greater glory, then we know that's where the Lord is leading. That That's kind of a snapshot of yeah. uh, really the most... Um, central thing central thing in all of discernment right um so then let's maybe explore some of the avenues that you just described uh with greater care and um maybe with a, a sensitivity to the types of questions that people are posing in the midst of like mundane decisions i'm thinking especially about the seemingly ordinary decisions and how that might be deflating for an individual when he recognizes yep. the fact that he's struggling even with a mundane decision, like a kind of analysis paralysis, because he might go to a, a big Catholic event and hear a sensational story of extraordinary call or discernment, and then think, by comparison, my life is relatively uninteresting, seemingly unimportant. perhaps I don't matter to God in the same way. So I think there's a kind of effect where when one struggles in a mundane decision, we tend to accuse ourselves of being unimportant and uninteresting and then becoming, as a result, deflated in that process of discernment. Um, how does one animate a continued attention to discernment with like a kind of, yeah, solicitude for the Lord's will, even in the midst of seemingly mundane, that is to say, ordinary and at, at face value, kind of unimportant or uninteresting decisions? Well, if it's true that even the hairs on our head are counted and not a sparrow falls to the ground, but our Heavenly Father knows it, then there is not only not one of us who is not beautiful and important and precious in God's eyes, as the scriptures say endlessly, but every aspect of our life matters to the one who loves us so much. And, you know, I'm really glad you've raised this question now because thus far we've been speaking about the major choices, but discernment is a way of life. Um, so let's take an example. At really, uh, I'm going to give the theological term to it. What we're speaking about is the exercise of the supernatural virtue of prudence in daily life. That's really uh, what we're talking about. All discernment really is uh, an exercise of the supernatural virtue of prudence, all discernment on the level of faith. Uh, it's just exercised in different kinds of choices. So uh, let's give an example. So here's a married man, young son, and uh, he has promised to spend this evening with his son. And then today at work, uh, the boss approaches him and says, look, I hate to do this to you, but we're really under pressure to get this done by tomorrow. Uh, could you could you get it done this evening? And now the man is driving home. Another 15 minutes, he'll be at home. And he's wondering, well, I promised my son that time. Um, the boss, however, wants this project done. Uh, and he loves the Lord. He wants to do the Lord's will in this. So how does he resolve that? You know, not simply making a human decision, but really wanting to do what the Lord wants him to do in this. So what he would do is very simply, even as he's driving, he lifts his heart to God in prayer, asks for light. Then he reviews the factors involved. Uh, and you'll hear the Thomistic um, counsel, the active counsel in the virtue of prudence there. He'll uh, review the different factors. So how important is it that he be with his son? 
let's say it's his son's birthday or it's the son's first um, little league game or something, or let's say it, it really isn't that important that the time spent be this evening. It could be tomorrow just as well. And on the other hand, uh, how urgent is this really, uh, you know, the project? Um, could he spend the time with his son and still have the time that he needs to get it done uh, by the next day, et cetera? So he'll just, uh, with peace in his heart, review the factors, and then you'll hear uh, the judgment here. Well, as best I can see, which is all the Lord ever asks of us, we can take this as a principle in the spiritual life. God never asks more of us than our best. And what he says, well, as best I can see, I think, Lord, you want me to spend that time with my son. All right. And then the third act of prudence, the execution, he, do it. But I'll add something there. He should do it with peace. He's done his best. And then if we want to be a little Ignatian about it, we would invite him after the experience to review it. Maybe if he does make an examination, you know, an examine at the end of the day. And as he looks back on it, uh, he'll say, yeah, I think that really was the right decision. And thank you, Lord. Uh, well, okay, I did my best, but another time I can see there are other factors that I could take into account that might help so that he's learning from it. But what's really important is that he do this with peace. Uh, what we never want to get into, I did my best to discern in that, call it small daily event. I did the best I could, and we don't have to second guess it. Now, here's another principle from St. Francis de Sales, who has wonderful writing on uh, all of this kind of thing. If we ever find that the discernment is taking longer and more energy than the event itself, we don't need to do that kind of discernment. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, that's a great point. God's, okay, I, God's I wonder... never, never asking that. Yeah. Um, so, so then thinking about this kind of last stage, as it were, of like revision of the act or insofar as we inform our conscience regarding acts that have transpired, we might accuse ourselves of, you know, past bad acts, or we might, um, you know, thank God for past good acts. But regardless, we're trying to inform our prudence for future decisions. I think there's, you know, there's certain people who are never content with their choice. Um, so it's like a kind of consummate temptation to inconstancy of purpose. Um, like they want to keep all of their options open so that way they could potentially exercise all of them. Uh, but as a result of which, they never embrace any of them wholly and entirely. Uh, so they're kind of haunted by dreams and somewhere between awake and asleep. Um, what, how do you counsel somebody, you know, like how do you encourage people to embrace their limitation, the limitation of their human condition um, and a, a kind of certainty that they can experience and discernment in their prudential choices such that they can genuinely live rather than constantly be gripped by fear that there are better options available? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's another really important question in all of this. We're really dealing with an issue there which doesn't originate with discernment. Uh, that That's going to be an issue of well, it could be spiritual formation, and I hope the spiritual formation that's given would not lead a person, you know, to that kind of um, anxiety, which could become scrupulosity and so forth. So I think if we ever find ourselves dealing with that, just always worried about how God is uh, seeing me, I'm doing my best, but I'm always worried, then there's a wonderful area there for growth in um, in spiritual formation. And that that could hum, that can come through just learning from the tradition uh, through meeting with a spiritual director in the various ways that we learn uh, from our tradition. So I want to reference that if anyone feels that, but know that we're called out of that. Our God is not a God of anxiety and nervousness. He's a God who loves us so much that 
All right, but there's another issue that's, I think, um, maybe even more often than spiritual formation that's uh, involved here. And that's just human formation because uh, we grow up in a culture in which there isn't much commitment, in which commitments are broken very easily, in which we're sort of, uh, there aren't too many fixed points uh, very often for us. We're so blessed in our faith, you know, to have those. But in the culture uh, around us, there's all kinds of second guessing of commitments and, of course, um, breaking them and so forth. So that we can grow up in a situation that uh, in which there's some anxiety that we've just absorbed. It's um, no fault of our own. We've absorbed this from the culture around us. And if that's the case, if the issue is not so much that I'm decisive in everything except when I'm discerning God's will, but that I, I find myself struggling in all decisions, you know, that I, I, I need to make, then we're dealing with an issue of just uh, growth humanly. Sometimes um, counseling can be a wonderful thing with a good, solid Catholic counselor, you know, just to work through some of those things. Um, maybe there were uh, times in the past when others who should have been there weren't there for us, and we can work through <clears throat> the impact of that on us. You know, uh, this is the way I would say it. <clears throat> uh, the eagle flies with two wings. When there is a need for healing and growth, spiritually, humanly, really on any level, if we're using the spiritual means, well, there's one of the wings. So a good life of the sacraments, uh, daily prayer, uh, spiritual nourishment through reading in various ways, uh, sharing the spiritual life with other, all the tools that we have uh, in the spiritual life, scripture, liturgy of the hours, all of this. And we're using those in a way that fits well with our situation in life. And at the same time, we're using, there's the other wing, I'll call them the non-spiritual or the human means. Uh, to help us grow just humanly. And we're, we certainly live in a time of a lot of suffering and confusion on that level, but we also live in a time in which there are means for help that were not there in past decades. When we're using both of those simultaneously, that's when the eagle flies. And, you know, I'll just say that over the years, I've seen very beautiful things along these lines. So here's a person who is hesitant in discernment. There's a spiritual component, I'm sure in that there can be a human component. And when the person is working on both together, then you see wonderful progress. Hmm. Yeah, maybe maybe then as a final question, um, you speak of these various means which the Lord um, concedes or affords in order that we might attain to the end, which is himself. Um, and I think that when we have a certain clarity, uh, a certain conviction regarding those means and the use thereof, uh, then we're able to, you know, to, to be confident, like we're able to hope, as it were. Uh, but when we're not, that is to say, when we, we don't have a certain clarity, we don't have a certain conviction regarding those means, then we can give in to despair of a certain sort, or we can even, yeah, we can drift further afield. So maybe how do we develop the, the kind of ongoing discernment of identifying these various means which the Lord places at our disposition so as to attain to him? Like, how do we cultivate a kind of attitude of uh, seeking him where he may be found or, you know, calling upon him when he is near? Okay, so we could, um, you could write a whole book and answer, answer to that. So I'm just going to highlight three of them. Uh, the most basic, the most indispensable is prayer. If you are seeking to discern, develop your life of prayer, grow in your life of prayer. Um, 
are there ways in which you can build more daily prayer into your life? Uh, what about the life of the sacraments? If it's an important time, what about even daily mass, you know, Eucharistic adoration? Uh, learn a little bit about the liturgy of the hours. Learn about praying with scripture and so forth and uh, develop these. And all of that has to be filtered through the nuances of each person's situation in life, obviously. But that's the starting place. That's the indispensable ground of any discernment because discernment is a relationship. It's the human heart seeking from the light from the divine heart, and that's what prayer is. And without that living relationship in prayer, discernment is not possible. With it, uh, discernment can go forward in beautiful ways. The second thing I would say is learn from our tradition about discernment. Uh, if you go on <laughs> go on Amazon and just put I don't know, Catholic Church discernment or whatever, uh, you'll you'll find endless resources. I I may say it, I've produced a few that I think are kind of useful in terms of books and podcasts <laughs> and things like that. But uh, <clears throat> reach, out, reach out to the tradition and learn more from the tradition because you are not the first one facing these questions. Uh, those who have loved the Lord for 2,000 years have been facing them, and there's a rich body of wisdom in the church that can help you with this. And then the third thing I would say is if it's a significant discernment, obviously the man driving home in the car, you know, this is a quick discernment. Uh, but if it's, you know, career, if it's vocation, uh, should the family make this significant change? Is the Lord calling me to this change in my life uh, in terms of career or whatever it might be? Then don't be alone with it. Uh, be accompanied. This is classic in any tradition of good discernment that we want to be accompanied by figures of wisdom. Find one who can walk with you through the through the uh, discernment. And it's the difference between, well, maybe the last thing I'll say. Um, when you're doing these things, something changes. Without these things, it's kind of like the hamster, you know, running, just expending energy, energy and feeling like I'm not getting anywhere. That's not a very happy place to be in the spiritual life. When you're using these means, you may not yet have your answer, but everything changes because you know you're on your way toward it and you'll feel the newness and the growth and the goodness of what's happening. Discernment mm -hmm. is worth it. I guess that's the bottom line. Amen. Um, I said that the last question was the last question, but for a last, last question, uh, you made mention of some modest contributions of your own on these matters. Uh, are there places where people can follow up with you and find your work and, uh, and profit from it? Sure. So I have a website, which is just FR for father, frtimothygallagher.org. And uh, all of my materials are available there. And as regards the podcasts, um, you could just go on discerninghearts.com or download the Discerning Hearts app, which is free, and uh, tap on Spiritual Formation. It'll take you to a list of speakers. Tap on my image, and it'll take you to probably more podcasts than you want. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much for your wisdom and for your willingness to share it with our listeners. Very happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Our joy. Okay, turning then to you, the listener, thanks as always for listening to this episode of God's Planning. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you would, in your kindness, like the episode, subscribe on YouTube or your podcast app, and leave a five-star review, all of which helps to get the word out and helps people to uh, work their way through difficult discernments so that they can come into yet more fuller possession 
of their vocation uh, for the glory of God and the salvation of souls. Uh, if you'd like to donate to the podcast through Patreon, you can follow the link in the description or show notes. And in that same place, you'll find links for merchandise and for uh, upcoming events. I think at present there are none, but you can wait in expectation for future announcements because there will certainly be some. All right, no of our prayers for you. Please pray for us, and we'll look forward to chatting with you next time on God's Money.